want to begin a series this morning entitled Valley of Decision. Turn, if you would, to Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 12 through 17. This is going to be the base of the series that we're going to do over the next four weeks. We're living in a day and a time that people think that they can live their life the way they choose and that there will be no consequences for their action or the decisions that they make in life. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talked about how in the last days it would be as in the days of Noah. And when he talked about that, he said this in verse 38 of 24, chapter 24, how before the flood they were eating and they were drinking, they were marrying and they were giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away. In other words, in the days of Noah, people were going on about their busy lives they had excluded God from their life. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. You know, today there's a big debate over same-sex marriage, and I don't understand where a debate comes from because God's done set the standard for marriage. But yet people today want to argue over that. They want to marry, give in marriage. They want to marry who they want, how many they want, and everything else. Folks, I want to suggest to you this morning, the days of Noah were no different than the days of today. And the people in the day of Noah, they had a valley of decision that they had to face. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, what was life like prior to the flood? Again, the same as it is today. People were involved in all manner of sin and the people thought there would be no consequences for their sin and for their action, and they were just living the way they want, however they wanted, but there was a valley of decision that come upon them, and that valley of decision came in the form of a massive flood upon the whole face of the earth, and it was a direct result of sin. Listen to me, this, this world, the United States of America, we as individuals are going to face a valley of decision for the sin that we're not willing to repent of within our lives, within our nation, within our world. That's just the way it's going to be. There's always has been and always will be a valley of decision that each person will someday face for the unrepented sin within their life. Mark that down. You will not be able to continue living in a life of sin and there not be a consequence for that. You see, one cannot just live the life their life the way they want and not expect a valley of decision for their action. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a number of things in the Word of God, some stories in the Word of God, where people went through a valley of decision as a result of sin within their life, and then we want to challenge each and every one of us individually to search our hearts, to search our lives, and see if as a result of some sin in our life that we too are going to face a valley of decision. Now understand this. Valleys of decision will be faced both in this life and the life to come. Let's go ahead and read Joel chapter 3 verse 14. Let the nations be awakened. Now the inference there is, folks, that when sin has taken a nation, 
The nation is asleep to the things of God. So Joel is saying, awake, nation, and come up to the valley of Jehovah, for there I, will I sit to judge all nations round about, put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe, Come, get you down, for the press is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Now look at verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens of the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people, and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall be no strangers pass through her anymore. You know, in the Bible, it is full of prefillments, fulfillments, and ultimate fulfillments when it comes to the area of prophecy. And what I mean by this is that, you know, all prophecy has an ultimate fulfillment when given. Yet the purpose, or that, uh, the purpose of the prophecy can be fulfilled many times throughout history. And that's what's referred to as a prefilling of that prophecy. Now what I want to do is I want to take this prophecy of Joel, Joel and I want to see how it has been prefilled many times, yet in the end of this series, we're going to look at the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy of Job, uh, Joel and see how that is going to affect us. There's always consequences, folks, listen, for decisions we make in life, and we need to understand that. And those decisions we're going to refer to as valleys of decision. Now, what is the definition of a valley of decision? Valley of decision is this. It's consequences for the decision or decisions made. That's the definition. The Greek word for decision speaks about a threshing sledge. It talks about a threshing sledge having sharp teeth. So as it begins to slice through, it just begins to slice and to cut. In short, the valley of decision will result in the threshing with a sharp instrument upon those who have made unwise decisions within their lives. Now, we can all probably look back and say, boy, I have made some unwise decisions. Maybe I'm the only one in here that can say that. Probably all of you have made totally wise decisions in your life. But if you're like me, you have made some unwise decisions. And if you have not repented of those unwise decisions and asked God to forgive you of those unwise decisions, you are going to be held accountable for them. And we must understand that. Now we'll begin in the beginning with the first valley of decision that ever occurred. And that being Adam and Eve's valley of decision. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Don't close your Bible this morning. We're going to look at many, many scriptures. But I want you to see that Adam and Eve, I believe, faced the first valley of decision. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, I want to go back and I want to take a look at what brought about that valley of decision that they had to face. 
the, the, this threshing that come upon them. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, speaking about the serpent, speaking about the devil, he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, Well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For the God doeth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes are going to be opened, and you shall be as God knowing good and evil. Boy, isn't that something we want to get our hand around? Look at verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit and it, it, it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now let's take a look at this story. Adam and Eve was the very first ones to go through a valley of decision in their life, and their threshing, I want to suggest to you this morning, was very severe. You see, there are some threshings that aren't as severe as other threshings as a result of sin in our life. But there's probably some of you in here this morning that would testify you've gone through some pretty severe threshings in your life. Well, let's take a look and see the threshing that Adam and Eve had to go through. You see, the first thing I want you to notice here is they lost fellowship with the very Creator, uh, uh, God. Now, you see, when we lose fellowship with God, that results in spiritual death. And as a result of them you know, disobeying God, they experienced spiritual death. They lost that fellowship that God so desired to have with them. Listen, the greatest thing that we and, as human beings can possess within our life is fellowship with God. The greatest thing we can have is a relationship with the very creator of this universe. Everything in life is temporal. But can I tell you something? My personal relationship with God is eternal. And if I lose that, I lose everything. Adam and Eve had it all. However, as a result of one decision within their life, in their valley, you know, they lost fellowship with the very living God. You see, not only did the threshing consist of a loss of fellowship with God, but look at the second thing it consisted of. Expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Now, not only did they lose that fellowship with God, no longer could they walk in the cool of the day with their very Creator. Now He even took them out of this uh, habitat that He built for them and He excluded them from it. You see, this was the very place that God had created for them to live. It had everything they would ever need, all the provisions they could ever ask for. God had daily walks with them here. And now they were removed from this very place God created for them. Now the third thing is this. I want you to notice, looking at these things, it's always an escalation. When we go through valleys of decision, 
and we do not seek forgiveness of the sin that we've committed, I want to suggest to you this morning that it always escalates. It always gets worse. See, the third thing happened is the murder of their younger son by their older son. Not only were they, they, did they lose fellowship with God, they were kicked out of the garden. Now their family become very dysfunctional. Now, I don't know how many dysfunctional families we have here this morning, but I would guess there are some dysfunctional families. And it all started, your fa- listen to me, your family is defun- dysfunctional this morning, if it is dysfunctional, because of a valley of decision made many, many thousand years ago. It's been passed down. Dysfunction has been passed down from Adam and Eve. Their their next valley affected their family. You see, second to having a good relationship with God, folks, is a family unit that is in one accord. And it's sad in our day and time today that so many families are not in one accord. And I will assure you, if there's a family that's not in one accord, there's a family that's not in one accord with God. And we need to work on our relationship with God because if we work on our relationship with God, all these other things will fall in line. And we need to understand that. However, it is sad when the threshing that we receive because of sin within our life begins to affect the family. And that's what has happened in many cases. Now it went to the extreme to where one son killed the other. You see, when Adam and Eve made their choice of evil over good, when Adam and Eve made their choice of sin over righteousness, they never thought it would cost them as dearly as what it did. And if you'll think in your mind of a threshing that you have went through because of sin in your life, when you think back of a valley of decision that you faced and you made the wrong decision and you had to go through the threshing of God and where you are today, you probably thought when you made that decision it was some simple little old decision that it's not really going to matter at all. And you look back and you say, how did I get to where I am today? It's because of the decision that you made. And you never thought it would take you that far. But it has. It has. You see, they had no idea that their valley of decision would be a loss of fellowship with their creator, expulsion from their home, and dysfunction within their family. Sin surely took them farther than they really wanted to go. Now, the second thing I want you to see here, the second example of a valley decision is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, uh, 1 through 8. And it's the flood. You see, the flood was a valley of decision. So Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, 
When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only continually on evil. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now here in this second example, I want you to see this. That God saw the, that the, how great wickedness had became on this earth. And he made the decision to wipe out his creation. Now, with Adam and Eve, their valley of decision was brought about as a result of only two people. And isn't it amazing the result of two people's valley of decision is still affecting humankind today? But now, here, this is a little different story here. What we have now is a situation of ten generations from Adam and Eve. Only ten generations from Adam and Eve. And rather than being only two people choosing good over evil, we see an entire world making that choice of good over evil. You see, the people of that day had began to involve themselves in the immorality of the day. And when you go back through the Scripture time and time and time again, you see that the things that brought judgment upon people were immorality. It was all about immorality. Look at our world today. What is one of the greatest things, a sins that is just prevalent about us? It's immorality. And people seem to don't think a thing in the world about it. Throughout the Bible, the greatest threshings people have received has always been over immorality. And though it is not a popular thing to say, and it's definitely not the politically correct thing to say, which I've done told you I can't spell politically correct, so therefore I can't be that. Okay? But I am convinced that the STDs that are running rampant throughout the United States of America, AIDS and everything else, is a direct result of the sin of immorality within our nation. And it's not going to go away until that sin of immorality is dealt with within our nation. And I don't see that happening. God will not tolerate, folks, listen to me. God will not tolerate immorality among his creation. When God created Adam and Eve, sex was meant for Adam and Eve, husband and wife, only. But where have we taken that beautiful thing that God has given to a man and a woman? Where have we taken it today? It is sad. Immorality in our nation is just as bad as it was when God brought judgment upon the world during Noah's day. Now the third thing here is mankind thought on evil. Now I want you to look at this. Mankind thought on evil daily. They sit around and just pondered evil and, and thought on evil and thought, wow, how many more different ways can we become evil? 
You see, immorality was so bad that the Bible says here in verse 5, every imagination and thought of the heart was continually on evil. All they could do is sit around and, and think more and more uh, evil immorality and evil, evil ways to do it, evil ways to perform it. And this is the prime example of just how far and how fast sin will escalate among people. Because again, in ten generations, just ten generations, sin went from what they viewed as just a mistake. I mean, it was just a mistake that Eve reached up there and grabbed that fruit. It was just a mistake that she offered it to her husband. And it was just a mistake on his part that he took it from her. Come on, God, surely you can forgive a mistake. Surely just a mistake in my life will not cause me to have to go through a valley of decision. Surely just one little mistake in my life will not cause me to go through a threshing. Listen, you can't change words and turn sin into something that's not sin simply by calling it something else. You can't call adultery cohabitation and it no longer becomes sin. You can't call homosexuality an alternate lifestyle and it no longer becomes sin. You can't call abortion just removing a blob of tissue and no longer call it a sin of murder. But yet that's what we have done. Ten generations since what they viewed as a simple mistake turned an entire world whose hearts were set on evil and all they done now was sit around thinking about how to be immoral. And don't miss this, what it says there. To the point that it grieved God's heart that he had even made mankind. Now stop and think about that. When God created man, anybody remember what he said after he created man? It is good. It is good. God looked at man, he looked at everything he created, but he looked at man and he looked at woman and he said, this is good. Now, ten, ten generations later, God is saying, why did I do this? It grieved his heart that he had even did this, folks. And why? Because of sin. Because now, ten generations later, man was just sitting around thinking of evil things to do. Can you imagine sin escalating so far that God's heart's broken to the point that he is questioning his decision and he's wanting to destroy his very creation? And what was the valley of the decision, excuse me, of the people of that day? What would be their threshing? A total destruction of the entire world except for eight people. And I don't know about you, but that's a pretty severe threshing in my words. After Noah and his family you know, entered that ark, the floodwaters began falling for 40 days and 40 nights. The rainwater fell. After the waters stopped falling from the sky, they drifted for 150 days on the, uh, 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 on the water, and every living thing on the face of the earth died. Then when the, the ark rested on Mount Arafat, you know, the, for, for eight months they sat there. And though everything, everyone around them, followed evil in their hearts, it brought this threshing on the entire world. Noah followed God. 
And the question I want to ask you this morning is, does your life set an example of good, or are you negatively influenced by people around you? Understand this, that God, that, that, excuse me, that, that a choice to choose sin over righteousness will result in a valley of decision that could cost you your life. It could cost you your life. Third thing I want you to see. We want to look at the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. Because that was the third valley of decision. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9. Genesis 11, 1 through 9. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Sinai. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime uh, they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children uh, of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they all have one language, and this they began to do, and now nothing will restrain, uh, be restrained from them which they have uh, imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence unto the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound their language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad unto the face of the earth. Now here's what I want you to see here. Up until this point in the Bible, the whole world had one language. Everybody spoke one language, one common speech for all people. Now, we're some six generations now from the flood, okay? We're some six generations now from the flood after the valley of the decision for the immorality of the world that we saw the people of the world totally destroyed. Six generations later. Now what we have is a bunch of skilled workers. We have a bunch of people who are skilled in construction deciding to build a city and within that city build a tower that would reach to heaven. Now this is a key point. Because Satan always wanted to go to heaven too, to dethrone God, did he not? And what we're going to see about these people is their intentions were not to build a tower in order to get closer to God for the purpose of worship. Their intentions were just as Satan's intentions were. They wanted to build this tower to get closer to God for, for, to rage war on their Creator, to try to dethrone God. You see, here's the thing. By building the tower, they wanted to make a name for themselves and also from preventing their city to be scattered. That was their intention. We see the same thing here that we've seen in the beginning of time. Satan had a des desire to destroy the Almighty. Satan feels that if he can dethrone God, he would make a name for himself. And these people felt the same way. If we can get up there to God, we can destroy Him, we can dethrone Him, and we'll make a name for ourselves. In other words, we'll be God. 
Whoa, hadn't we heard that somewhere about 16 generations earlier? Eat the fruit, you'll be as God. And the next thing there, God perceived their intentions and in his infinite wisdom knew this stairway to heaven would only lead the people away from him, not to him. He noted the powerful force within the unity. In other words, God understood when people are unified, they could do great and mighty things. And as a result, God confused their language, causing them to speak in different languages so they would not understand one another, they would not be able to work together, and he scattered them abroad throughout the face of the earth. God thwarted their plans. Another valley of decision we see in God's word. Because of an evil choice of the people, the threshing resulted in a division of the people. You see, God realizes this, folks, that when people are unified for a purpose, they can accomplish impossible tasks. When people are unified in purpose, there's no such thing as an impossible feat. But just as it can be used for evil when people unify, when people unify for the good, folks, there's nothing that can stop us either. The people were building a monument to themselves to call attention to their own abilities and achievements instead of giving God the glory. And the end result was a threshing by God. And let me ask you a question this morning. Are there any towers that you're building in your life? Right now, this morning, I just want you to think about it. Are there any towers in your life that you're building that your intentions are not to draw closer to God for the purpose of worship? But maybe if this tower is complete that you're building this morning, it's actually going to draw you further away from God. Now, that may not have been your intentions when you started building this tower, whatever it might be. But if you'll step back and you'll look and you say, okay, if I, if I do this, will this really get me closer to God for the purpose of worshiping God, or is this going to pull me away from Him? I'm afraid there's too many people in our churches, folks, who are building towers in their life that's only drawing them farther and farther and farther away from God. Whether that's in the area of business, family, I don't care what it is. And what you're doing is not drawing you closer to God for the purpose of worship. It's drawing you away from Him. And listen to me. It's sin. And it's going to bring a threshing about in your life. In some way, some form, some fashion. There are valleys of decision that we're all going to go through for making bad choices over good. There's valleys of decision that we're all going to go through for choosing sin over righteousness. And whether they are choices to disobey God as Adam and Eve, that was what brought about their valley of decision, disobedience. So whether it's a, it's a valley as a result of disobedience to God, or whether it's a valley of immorality, you're involved in some things in your life that is totally immoral, as it was with the days of Noah, or rather it's choices of fighting God rather than being obedient to Him as it was with the people of Shinar. What is it in your life this morning 
What sin is it in your life this morning that is about to bring a threshing in your life? You know what it is. Because I trust that right now the Holy Spirit of God's laying it in your heart and on your mind. But what are you going to do with it? Are you going to be as Adam and Eve and you're going to make excuses why it was okay? Are you going to be as the people of the days of Noah that you're just going to ignore it and hope it'll go away? Trust me this morning, if there's sin in your life and you do not deal with it, there will be a threshing as a result of that valley of decision. So this morning, why not repent and why not allow God to remove you from that valley? You see, he can. And he will if we'll only repent. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There's never been a time period in your life that you ask God to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart, and save your soul. Maybe this morning you need to take care of that. And here in just a moment, we're going to do a song of invitation. And as soon as we stand, I would invite you to come at that moment. And let us get you with an altar counselor and let them, let them tell you how to get your spiritual uh, life to the point that you now have a relationship with God. But if you're here and you're saved, and you, you, you say right now, you know, I've been wondering what I'm going through. Now I see I'm going through a threshing. I'm going through a valley of decision. Then you're going to stay in that valley unless you seek forgiveness for whatever it is that's got you in that valley. So why don't you take care of that this morning and allow God to just rip you out of that valley? Would you do that? Let's pray.